The truth lives. Political bomb show starring Rishon Blyden. Welcome to Political Bomb Show. I'm your host, Rayshawn Blyden. If you'd like to be on our show, you can call our studio hotline at 323-835-1123. 323-835-1123. Or visit our website, politicalbombshow.cf. Today, I'm going to be your narrator for a quick series entitled email scandal and this is going to lay out for you the case that it indeed it was a scandal it was definitely covered up and the reason why it was covered up was obvious and i will let you determine that for yourself so basically the fbi is refusing to expedite the release of the documents about secret meetings that took place between the former FBI director James Comey and former President Obama. So, you tell me, why are they refusing to release these documents? Well, it's obvious. It's obvious that they're protecting Obama because, believe me, I smell a snake and a rat and it is him. He's definitely the head of the snake. And they are covering up on every turn that they can to hide that fact. But any reasonable person would conclude that that is the reason. So... I agree with Judicial Watch Director of Investigations, Chris Farrell, when he says that the matter is of public interest, which is definitely true. So, we're going to start with an opening statement that about this series. And basically, it's going to be on the Department of Justice Inspector General's report, the investigation of Hillary Clinton by the FBI and Justice Department. This report will focus on the DOJ's legal interpretation that virtually assured Clinton would not be prosecuted. Let me repeat that again. The report focuses on DOJ's legal interpretation that virtually assured Clinton would not be prosecuted. And that, as the IG report states, the FBI and DOJ knew that by September 2015, for all the latest on corruption in Washington, of course, the best source anywhere is at theconservativetreehouse.com. Let's get into this. The outcome of the Clinton investigation by the FBI and Department of Justice was determined by September 2015. 
That's just a few weeks after the investigation began and at least 10 months before the decision was announced. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. While Comey drew intense criticism for that conclusion, it was the Justice Department that tipped the scales in Clinton's favor, virtually assuring she wouldn't be charged. DOJ did so with a secret legal interpretation, made sometime in July or August 2015, by one or more unnamed officials. The IG's report describes the legal framework for the case in a footnote on page 164. That footnote references 18 U.S.C. 793F of the Espionage Act. The law does not require a proof of intent to find someone guilty of mishandling classified information. But the IG report states prosecutors told us that the Justice Department interpreted the provision to require the accused possessed knowledge that the information is classified, and that the conduct must be so gross as to almost suggest deliberate intention. That burdensome legal threshold was impossible to meet, and that was by design. Prosecutors needed a smoking gun text or email to prove intent. They found neither. The IG report states, by September 2015, FBI and Justice Department officials realized that they were unlikely to find evidence of intent. It sadly confirms that even though Hillary Clinton should have been uh, charged with mishandling classified information, she was never really in danger of seeing that happen. I thought it was rigged from the beginning. I, I really think that once President Obama, in particular, laid out a, what I think is a contorted construction of the Espionage Act statute, which is what they investigated her under. DOJ's tortured misreading of the law was concocted to ensure Clinton wouldn't be charged. And he laid out a theory of the Espionage Act that I don't think could be justified is by there... reading the act, and everybody just acted accordingly. Here's how Comey explained it at congressional hearings in 2016. Really, the central problem we had with the whole email investigation was proving that people knew, the secretary and others knew that they were doing stuff, that they were communicating about classified information in a way that they shouldn't be, and proving that they had some sense that they were doing something unlawful. That was our burden, and we weren't able to meet it. The fact is, proving intent is not required. Your earlier clip with Mr. Comey talking about intent mm -hmm. is a fraud. There's no requirement for improving intent. It's a direct violation of Title 18 of the U.S. Code, Section 793F, which is mishandling national defense information. Intent is irrelevant. The fact that the loss or the mishandling of the national defense information occurred, that's the crime. The IG's report also addressed classification markings, another of Clinton's defenses. I never sent or received anything that was marked classified. I will reiterate, because it's a fact, nothing I sent or received was marked classified. Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. There were a small number of portion markings on, I think, three of the documents. Under law, classified information is classified whether marked or not. However, prosecutors did not fault Clinton because none of the emails contained clear classification markings. Yet even Comey admitted in his press briefing, that's not an excuse. Even if information is not marked classified in an email, 
Participants who know or should know that the subject matter is classified are still obligated to protect it. Clinton vowed to protect it the day after being sworn in when she signed this federal non-disclosure agreement. It states classified information may be marked or unmarked. The espionage statutes and the gross negligence statutes say nothing about the labels on a piece of paper or an email. What matters is the substance of the information in the communication. It's absolutely irrelevant whether or not something is marked classified. Right. It's the character of the information. Let's go back to that footnote on page 164. The Justice Department decided they needed to prove Clinton knew the information was classified. The FBI's 302 summary of its Clinton interview reveals she did not recognize classified material or markings in her own email. Was she really that dumb or just playing dumb to avoid prosecution? The FBI decided she's really that dumb. Page 137 states, Comey told us that the agents that conducted the interview found her credible and were surprised at how technically illiterate she was. The result? Clinton got away with mishandling classified information in hundreds of emails. That's a very serious matter and it should have compelled a serious investigation. And yet the IG report uh, confirms that uh, exactly the opposite happened. A very light touch uh, where Hillary Clinton got preferential treatment. In fact, DOJ prosecutors went so easy on Clinton that FBI Director Comey called them cowards during his interview with the IG. He told the IG there was a general lack of aggressiveness that wasn't politically motivated, just normal cowardice in high-profile cases. More about that and how the DOJ limited the FBI investigation in our next report. This is John Sparopoulos reporting. That is very staggering. How in the world can you determine the outcome of an investigation before it even began? Well, obviously I'm asking a rhetorical question because we all know exactly why. There was no way that they were going to indict Hillary Clinton because it was already in the tea leaves that she was the chosen one to be next in line to be the president of the United States. And Donald Trump was standing in the way and there was only one way to deal with him and that is to stop him from becoming president. That is exactly what they set out to do. And as you will listen to the evidence that's going to be presented to you, you will definitely come to the same conclusion if you're reasonable and you're sensible and you're logical. But if you're blinded by your ideology, there's nothing that anyone will be able to say or do that will convince you of otherwise. Even if the evidence is smack dab in your face, you'll refuse to look at it and make up excuses and call it dishonesty. You're the one that's dishonest. Look in the mirror and wake up and stop being a puppet and a fool and an ignoramus. I'll be right back. Hillary Clinton is a liar. You know it. We know it. She thinks the rules don't apply to her. You know it. We know it. 
She says she wants equal pay, but guess what? She pays her men more than the women. And Hillary sucks, but not like Monica Lewinsky sucked Bill Clinton. Hillary for prison. Hillary. Welcome back to Political Bomb Show. So now, the Department of Justice Inspector General will soon release a report on the government's investigation of Hillary Clinton's mishandling of classified information. It's taken a long time, and with good reason. The scale of misconduct is staggering. This channels a series of reports. So, the series of reports is the second of five being posted. It provides the background on the crime, the cover-up, and the corruption that infested the Department of Justice and the FBI. Again, it's going to talk about the cover-up and the corruption that infested the DOJ and FBI. So, let's get into it. July 5th, 2016, FBI Director Comey recommends Clinton not be charged. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Let's take a close look at Comey's words. No reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. He said that on July 5th. FBI documents reveal Comey's draft speech was written more than two months earlier. In it, he used those same words. No reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. That was May 2nd. Comey's conclusion was written before FBI interviews with Clinton and others. 
Government email records show on May 2nd, 2016, Comey sent the draft speech to FBI officials Andrew McCabe, James Baker, and Jim Rybicki. McCabe then sent the draft to Bill Priestap, Peter Stroke, and other FBI officials for their review. This draft, however, didn't become public until late 2017, and when it did, reaction was swift and harsh. This whole thing just stinks. Former Representative Jason Chaffetz was incensed. Prior to leaving Congress, he led one of several investigations into how the FBI handled the Clinton email scandal. The whole idea that the FBI director, weeks before they've interviewed what ended up being 16 or 17 other witnesses, mm -hmm that he was actually drafting this thing. The whole investigation evidently was just a, a fraud on the American people. It was a faux investigation. You've got James Comey now with emails going back and forth where he's drafting three months before they interview 16 witnesses, including the supposed target of the investigation. Can you imagine if a judge was drafting the, uh, how he was going to rule before he heard 16 people who had come up to the witness stand? That person would be disbarred, they'd be fired. The facts are, months in advance, he's telegraphing the investigation's a done deal, that it's going through the motions, yet he gets in front of Congress and pretends, or at least makes these representations, uh, that he hadn't made his mind up, when it's clear there's documents showing that he has. On September 28, 2016, long before we learned of his draft speech, Comey was questioned about the timing of his decision by Congressman John Ratcliffe. Did you make the decision not to recommend criminal charges relating to classified information before or after Hillary Clinton was interviewed by the FBI on July the 2nd? After. Okay, then I'm gonna need your help in trying to understand how that's possible. Congressman Ratcliffe repeatedly pressed Comey about the timing of his decision. If colleagues of ours believe I am lying about when I made this decision, please urge them to contact me privately so we can have a conversation about this. All I can do is tell you again, the decision was made after that because I didn't know what was going to happen in that interview. Congressman, he said after. He lied to you. Well, I want to give him the opportunity to come back and uh, clarify his testimony. What he said, uh, he said very clearly. What, what I know now is that uh, he had written an exoneration memo uh, before he gave that testimony saying that he wasn't going to charge her. I've seen text messages, I've seen uh, emails, and I have received testimony from other witnesses that are all inconsistent with that testimony that he gave to me uh, under oath. Today, Comey has not been asked to, as the congressman put it, clarify his testimony. It's a crime if you are grossly negligent when handling classified information. Comey's May 2nd draft speech said Clinton and associates were grossly negligent, but that's not what he announced on July 5th. There is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. The draft said grossly negligent. The actual speech said extremely careless. Is there a difference? Gross negligence is extreme carelessness. All he did was fudge the terminology, but the meaning is the same. The current FBI director, Christopher Wray, was asked for his opinion. Um, I leave it to others to conclude whether extremely careless and gross negligence are the same thing, uh, but I believe also that almost anybody who grabbed a thesaurus would say that gross negligence and extremely careless are pretty darn close to each other. You're right, they are synonyms. Extremely careless is a synonym for grossly negligent, which begs the question, why change it? 
But you and I know why it was changed. It was changed because the statute says grossly negligent. And if you're not going to charge someone, God knows you don't want to track the statute with the language that you use. Several FBI officials edited Comey's draft, who deleted the term grossly negligent. Senator Ron Johnson, chairman of a key committee, wants to know. He sent this letter to FBI Director Ray. It asked who changed Comey's speech and why. No answer yet. That investigation of the Clinton email scandal was not really meant to, to uncover the truth and, and lead to prosecution. It's really meant to cover up and exonerate. Now let's consider the word intent with regard to Clinton's actions. Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information. Two days later, no intent was also the justification. Comey gave at congressional hearings during questioning from a furious former intelligence officer turned congressman. For me, this is serious. I spent nine and a half years as an undercover officer in the CIA. I was the guy in the back alleys collecting intelligence, passing it to lawmakers. I've seen my friends killed. I've seen assets put themselves in harm's way. And this is about protecting information, the most sensitive information the American government has. So the former Secretary of State, one of the president's most important advisors, on foreign policy and national security had a server in her basement that had information that was collected from our most sensitive assets and it was not protected by anyone and that's not a crime that's outrageous people are concerned what does it take for someone to misuse classified information and get in trouble for it well, it takes mishandling it, and criminal intent. <laughs> and so an unauthorized server in the basement is not mishandling. Well, no, there is, there is evidence of mishandling here. The question, this whole investigation at the end focused on is there sufficient evidence of intent? If Comey was focused on intent, then he had it all wrong. Look, we have a statute that says if the government puts into your hands for safekeeping state secrets and you fail to keep them safe by intentionally exposing them or grossly negligently exposing them, you can be prosecuted and you can be found guilty without the government proving intent. The applicable statute is 18 U.S.C. 793F. If the director of the FBI thinks that putting a private server in a private home in Chappaqua, New York, with no encryption, with multiple devices working off it with their not encrypted is not a violation of 793. That's another reason he should resign. It is, to me, this is one of the grossest miscarriages of justice. Comey didn't see it that way. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. That conclusion is absolutely ludicrous. There were multiple crimes here committed by her. There were certainly crimes committed by lawyers involved in the case, by employees of the Clinton uh, apparat apparatus, uh, the destruction of evidence, uh, the, the manner in which witnesses were handled. Uh, one lawyer representing three or four witnesses, the Justice Department never permits that, but Comey and the Attorney General allowed it. So, James Comey's statement was prepared even before he interviewed Crooked Hillary. And we're to believe that there was no bias at all. 
Come on. You can, how does it say? You can fool some of the people some of the time, but not all of the people all of the time. Something like that. It's ridiculous. Again, it doesn't matter if you're conservative, liberal, or libertarian. Any fool can see what was going on here. Anyone can see what was going on here. It's just embarrassing that you have the fake news media out there that actually tried to cover this up, what was known to be a fact that this was a cover-up to clear Hillary to become president without having a scandal hanging over her head. It was clear. You can see the contrast of how the DOJ and the FBI handled the email scandal versus the Russian, the fake Russian, I should say, fake Russian collusion. Stark difference. I'll be right back. The feds close in on my house tonight. Not an email to be seen. A kingdom of corruption. And it looks like I'm the queen. The lies keep building from this dishonesty inside. Couldn't keep it in. The media is paid to lie. Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the devil you always have to be Conceal and steal, don't let them know Well now they know Let it go, let it go Can't blame Russia anymore Let it go, let it go Gonna make World War Four. I don't care what the facts may say Yes, I've had people killed Prison never bothered me anyway Pay-to-play donations makes everyone my pawn Constitutional laws and control me can't get to me at all it's time to see what I can do I'll be like Hitler and show you No right, no wrong, no rules for me I'm free, yeah Let it burn, let it burn I'll start the fire and then go hide Let it burn, let it burn You can't imagine how much I've lied so here I stand, and here I stay. Let the darn old rage on. We just like our Sunday. So welcome back. We are diving in to the email scandal, Clinton server scandal, keeping um, classified emails on a private server. This is what we're talking about. And we're going to move on to the next part of this series, which is talking about the way that James Comey handled this investigation. Clearly, he 
was biased, but I'll let you make that choice for yourself. The FBI investigation involved interviewing Clinton and others. Agents summarized the interviews on FBI Form 302. No statements under oath, no transcripts, no recordings, no grand jury. It is evident to me that what Mr. Comey should have done at the beginning of this investigation was impanel a grand jury. He did not do that. I'm uh, uncomfortable the way, the way the investigation was conducted. I think it should have used a grand jury and people who uh, uh, were given immunity should have been taken before the grand jury then and said, you have immunity, you tell us everything under oath. That's the way you do it. When you want to investigate crimes involving national security information, classified information, you don't do interviews. You issue subpoenas to witnesses, third parties for documents. You make people come into court and fight them in front of a federal judge. And you grill them because they'll be protective of uh, uh, the people they like and they work with. So you have to grill them, but people will surprise you uh, how sometimes they'll just spill the beans when they're under oath like that. So I think this was not the kind of an investigation that uh, was likely to get to the bottom of it. And there was no grand jury in this case. Not a single subpoena was issued and he grants immunity to a number of people who never should have been granted immunity. They should have been thrown in front of a grand jury, forced to take the fifth, and then continue the investigation. Director Comey didn't do that. Comey was asked why not by Congressman Tom Marino, a former prosecutor. Let me ask you guys, we both impaneled many grand juries, investigative grand juries. Why not impanel an investigative grand jury, and then you have the ability to get warrants, subpoenas, get this information, subpoena witnesses before the grand jury under oath, and if they take the fifth, if it's not the target, if they take the fifth they simply they, and say, we're not, I'm not going to talk to you, you can give them, whether it's use immunity, the AG can give them that, and, and you had that authority, and then transactional has to come from the judge. And if they refuse to testify then, then you can say, fine, we're going to take you before a judge, hold you in contempt, and then you're going to sit in jail until you answer our question. Why did you not decide to go to an investigative grand jury? It would have been cleaner, it would have been much simpler, and you would have had more authority to make these witnesses testify. Not the target, but the witness testify. That seems the way to go, uh, Director. We've done it thousands of times. This just was too convoluted. Yeah, again, I, I need to steer clear of talking about uh, grand jury use in a particular matter. Um, in general, in my experience, you can often do things faster with uh, informal agreements. Another issue involved Clinton associates Cheryl Mills and Heather Samuelson. Though witnesses in the case, they watched the FBI interview Clinton. Comey was grilled about that by Congressman John Ratcliffe, himself a former prosecutor. I don't think that there's any reasonable prosecutor out there who would have allowed two immunized witnesses central to the prosecution to proving the case against her to sit in the room with the interview, the FBI interview, of the subject of that investigation. And if I heard you earlier today, in your long career, I heard you say that you've never had that circumstance. Is that, did I hear you correctly? That's correct. But okay, I, and, and, I, and I never have either, and I've never met a prosecutor uh, that's ever had that. I would also urge you to tell me what tools we have as prosecutors and investigators to kick out of an interview someone that the subject says is their lawyer. That's not my point. The interview never should have taken place. 
if you were going to allow the central witnesses that you needed to prove the case to sit there and listen to the testimony that the subject was going to give. It never happens. It never happened to you, and it's never happened to me or any other prosecutor that I met. And it wouldn't have happened in the Clinton case if witnesses testified before a grand jury, as suggested by DeGeneva and others. The FBI's online PDF files reveal a staggering amount of missing evidence in the Clinton case. We're going to examine part one and note the pages about the missing evidence. Congressman John Ratcliffe reviewed part one during a hearing with then FBI Director James Comey. So this comes from the FBI's own report. It says that the FBI didn't have the Clinton's personal Apple server used for Hillary Clinton work emails. That was never located so the FBI could never examine it. That information about the missing computer is on page four. Check. An Apple MacBook laptop and thumb drive that contained Hillary Clinton's email archives was lost, so the FBI never examined that. The details about the missing laptop and thumb drive are on pages one and 17. Check. Two BlackBerry devices provided the FBI didn't have SIM cards or SD data cards. Those facts about the missing SIM and SD cards are on page nine. Check. 13 Hillary Clinton personal mobile devices were lost, discarded, or destroyed with a hammer, so the FBI clearly didn't examine those. The missing mobile devices are revealed on pages 9 and 30. Page 30 also reveals that two of Clinton's iPads are missing. Check. Various server backups were deleted over time, so the FBI didn't examine that. The backups are discussed on page 5. Check. After the State Department and my colleague Mr. Gowdy here notified Ms. Clinton that her records would be sought by the Benghazi Committee, copies of her emails on the laptops of both of her lawyers, Cheryl Mills and Harold Mills uh, and Heather Samuelson, were wiped clean with bleach bits, so the FBI didn't review that. The bleach bit facts are on page 18. Check. Bleach bit is a software program that permanently erases data. After those emails were subpoenaed, Hillary Clinton's email archive was also permanently deleted from the Platte River Network with BleachBit, so the FBI didn't review that. The BleachBit deletions are discussed on page 19. Check. And also after the subpoena, backups of the Platte River server were manually deleted. Those manual deletions are reported on page 19. Check. A any one of those in that very, very long list, to me says obstruction of justice. Collectively, they scream obst obstruction of justice. We're in a fact-based world, so we make evaluations based on the evidence we're able to gather using the tools that we have. So it's hard for me to react to these things that you don't have. To summarize, here's a list of the missing evidence. The original Apple server, a laptop, a thumb drive, SIM and SD cards, 13 mobile devices, two iPads, erased files on two laptops, and erased files on server backups. Congressman Ratcliffe says it's hard to ignore all that was missing. And to ignore them, I think, really allows not just reasonable prosecutors, but reasonable people to believe that maybe the decision on this was made a long time ago not to prosecute Hillary Clinton. On the very day that Congressman Ratcliffe itemized the missing evidence, another laptop is discovered, one unknown to the FBI. It will lead to the reopening of the Clinton investigation. More about that in our next report. News that five people received immunity in the Clinton case drew sharp criticism. 
If someone in the Department of Justice had to decide to pass out these immunity agreements, and, and I, I see the get-out-of-jail-free cards, Brett, what I don't see is the jail. Usually you strike immunity agreements it, it, to, to further a prosecution. There is no prosecution. It's just five get-out-of-jail-free cards. The most controversial immunity grants went to two of Clinton's attorneys, Cheryl Mills, her former chief of staff at the State Department, and Heather Samuelson. When you granted immunity to these five individuals, you took them out of the reach of prosecution for crimes committed related to destruction of documents or withholding or other crimes. I don't think anybody was given transactional immunity. Oh, really? Now, we have not allowed to make your immunities public, but I'm going to take the privilege of making one part of it public. I read them. You gave immunity from destruction to both of those attorneys, not just turning them over, the documents over, specifically destruction. Yeah, again, I, my recollection is no transactional immunity was given. As I understand it, this was a, a promise in writing from the Department of Justice. If you give us the laptops, we will not use anything on the laptops directly against you in a prosecution for that list of offenses. While the hearing went on, the committee checked with the Justice Department. Under the immunity agreement with one or more individuals, we'll use Cheryl Mills as clearly one of the individuals, <clears throat> she negotiated a very, very good deal from what we can discover. She did not just receive immunity related to the production of the drive, the computer and the contents. Her immunity is against any and all taking, destruction, uh, or even obstruction, the way we read it, of documents classified or unclassified. Clinton attorneys Mills and Samuelson were granted immunity in return for turning over their laptops. Representative Gohmert, a former judge, reminded Comey a grant of immunity wasn't necessary. You had every authority to get a subpoena, and if you had brought a, um, a uh, request for a search warrant based on what we now know, I would have had no problem signing that warrant so you could go get it anywhere you want. Congressman Trey Gowdy, a former prosecutor, agreed. If you think that there is evidence that is relevant to an investigation on a piece of, of physical property, you use a subpoena, a grand jury subpoena. Uh, you don't strike an immunity agreement with the computer, you go get the computer. Doesn't it concern you as an investigator that your uh, chiefs in the Justice Department uh, decided to become an immunity producing machine? For many people who uh, would have been very key witnesses, should there have been a prosecution? I don't, I don't think of it that way. It doesn't strike me there was a lot of immunity issued in this case. You got really nothing substantial. It's as if you went into the investigation determined to give immunity to people instead of getting a warrant. You gave immunity to people that you would need to make a case if a case were going to be made. Did the Justice Department want to make a case? Based on how it shaped the FBI's investigation with grants of immunity, it's easy to see how many conclude the government never intended to prosecute Clinton. Clearly, the way how things are going, you'd think that you were watching the mafia because this is exactly the type of tactics that goes on in a mafia. This is clearly mafia tactics. This is not the way that the FBI or DOJ should be behaving. This is obvious and clear. And what's scary about this is they're even more dangerous than the mob because 
these are the protectors of the law. They're supposed to be the ones in charge of keeping us safe and keeping law and order. They're not. They're corrupted from the top. That's the problem. I'm sure there's many agents out there who works in the field and they are honorable and they do their job to the best of their abilities, but from the top, it's clearly that it's very political and very, very biased. There's no getting around that. It's just the way it is. And this should not be like this. So a stop needs to be put to this immediately. House needs to be clean, clean house. That's what needs to happen. Do you agree with me or disagree with me? I'd like to hear your comments. Get in live here, 323-835-1123. And we will talk with you because this is a clear violation, I think, of abuse of power. That's my opinion. I'll be right back. At first I was dismayed, I was horrified. I should have won 2008 by a landslide. But then I spent so many nights thinking how Obama did me wrong and I grew strong. And I wrote this comeback song and now I'm back. Gonna own the place. Oval is mine now. I've started measuring those damn drapes. Gotta change that front door lock. Secret service, take away your key. Gonna break through that glass ceiling. Gonna make some history. Go on now, go. Walk out the door. Might as well resign now. Cause they don't want you anymore. <laughs> they gotta vote for me, though I haven't told them why. But you know I ain't humble. I ain't beyond a lie. No, no, not I. Yeah, I will survive as long as I know how to lie. I know I'll stay alive. Not much time for me to live, so I got one last shot to give. And I'll survive. I will survive. Yeah. I've got the cash. Two billion in my super pack. It's my time. I mean your time. Bernie, what you laughing at? Cause I can say, I say almost anything. And make it rain. I can make it rain. Coming out. I can't tell you how much we. Dang it, Bill! How many voters do not care two party systems jacked? Don't care about my hidden emails and deleted stacks. If all you want's a president with two X chromosomes, 2016's a lot. I dropped the microphone. You dealt with HRC, and you know me. You dealt with HRC, no more first lady. You dealt with HRC, yeah, you know me. You dealt with HRC, every last donkey. You dealt with HRC, and you know me. You dealt with HRC, no more first lady. You dealt with HRC, and you know me. Who's dealt with HRC? Every last donkey. <laughs>
welcome back. So next, we're going to talk about the reason, the actual reason why Hillary didn't use the .gov email and use a private server instead. I think it's pretty obvious, but I will let you listen to them lay out the case as to why she did this. At Clinton State Department farewell, she was surrounded by admiring employees. Their work email, like Clinton's, belongs to the government. All are required to use a .gov account. That ensures the email is saved in one place on a government server. So it's easy to find for investigators or anyone filing a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request. It's likely Clinton was the only one here sending work email via a private server. She told NBC's Meet the Press she figured the emails she sent would be saved on a government server somewhere. All of the emails that I sent were uh, intended to be in the government systems if they were work-related. That's why I sent them to people at their work addresses. Clinton's email was scattered in hundreds of email accounts in various departments in government servers all around Washington. Not easy to find. The day she left office, she was obligated to turn in the work email on her private server. She didn't. The State Department asked for it in July 2014, according to a watchdog group. A Judicial Watch Freedom of Information Act request revealed this email chain between Clinton attorney Cheryl Mills and the State Department's David Wade, who asked for Clinton's emails. Mills wrote, I will be able to get that to you to the best of its availability. Given the volume, it will take some time. Mills and fellow Clinton attorney Heather Samuelson then sorted through 60,000 emails separating work and personal. If they thought it was work-related, it would go to the State Department. If not, then it would not. The FBI's report says Clinton's lawyers didn't actually read the email. Instead, they relied on header information and they used search terms to try to find all work-related emails. At the end of that process, again, following the request of the State Department, they had to print out uh, all those emails that were work-related. It ended up being 55,000 pages. Those were delivered to the State Department. The 55,000 pages, roughly 30,000 work emails, were delivered in December 2014. That left all the personal emails. And I was asked, do you need to keep your personal emails? And I said, no, I don't. You can delete those. And they were. In all, Team Clinton says roughly 30,000 personal emails were deleted. At the end, I chose not to keep my private personal emails. Emails about planning Chelsea's wedding or my mother's funeral arrangements, condolence notes to friends, as well as yoga routines, family vacations, the other things you typically find in inboxes. Congressman Trey Gowdy was skeptical of Clinton's claims that only personal emails were deleted. They didn't just push the delete button. They had them deleted where even God can't read them. They were using something called bleach bit. You don't use bleach bit for yoga emails or for bridesmaids emails. When you're using bleach bit, it is something you really do not want the world to see. As noted earlier, Clinton turned in 30,000 work-related emails. But was that all of them? We looked through everything. We gave them everything work-related. Secretary Clinton said all work-related emails were returned to the State Department. Was that true? No, we found work-related emails, thousands, that were not returned. 
Secretary Clinton said neither she nor anyone else deleted work-related emails from her personal account. Was that true? That's a harder one to answer. Uh, we found traces of work-related emails uh, in, on devices or in Slack space, whether they were deleted or whether when a server was changed out, something happened to them. There's no doubt that there were work-related emails that were removed electronically from the, the email system. FBI forensic analysts recovered thousands of emails in a variety of ways. Some had been deleted over the years, and we found traces of them on servers or devices that had been connected to the private email domain. Others we found by reviewing the archived government accounts of people who had been government employees at the same time as Secretary Clinton, including high-ranking officials at other agencies, folks with whom a Secretary of State might normally correspond. Some emails are gone forever, especially those sent to non-government computers. It's also likely that there are other work-related emails that they did not produce to state and that we did not find elsewhere and that are now gone because they deleted all emails they did not produce to state and the lawyers then cleaned their devices in such a way as to preclude complete forensic recovery. What a euphemism. Clinton lawyers Mills and Samuelson didn't just clean their computers, they erased the emails with bleach bit software. Congressman Gowdy put it best. They didn't just push the delete button, they had them deleted where even God can't read them. September 11, 2012. Terrorists attacked the U.S. consulate in Benghazi, Libya. Four Americans, including Ambassador Chris Stevens, are killed. Clinton, Secretary of State at the time, draws intense criticism. Congress initiates several investigations, but the last one, in 2015, has exclusive information. This committee is the first committee, the only committee, to uncover the fact that Secretary Clinton exclusively used personal email on her own personal server for official business and kept the public record, including emails about Benghazi and Libya, in her own custody and control for almost two years after she left. Clinton testified on October 22, 2015, but events that eventually revealed her secrets were set in motion the previous year. And it's noted in the FBI's own report, part one, page 15 states, the House Select Committee on Benghazi was established on May 8, 2014, and reached an agreement with State on July 23, 2014, regarding the production of records. Let's reset the status of Clinton's private server. First, it's no longer in the House in New York, it's now at a data facility in New Jersey. Second, it's been upgraded to a Dell PowerEdge R620 server. And third, Clinton had contracted with Platte River Networks to manage the server. Now here are the key players as of July 23, 2014. Clinton attorney Cheryl Mills, Brian Pagliano, who set up Clinton's original email, and Paul Combetta, a Platte River Networks technician. Mills and Pagliano asked Combetta if there's a way to hide Clinton's email address. On July 24th, Combetta goes online at reddit.com looking for how to do just that. Congressman Jim Jordan quotes from Combetta's post during a hearing with FBI Director Comey. I need to strip out a VIP's address from a bunch of archived email. Basically, they don't want the VIP's email address exposed to anyone. Now, Director, when I hear the term strip out email address, I think of somebody's trying to hide something, somebody's trying to cover up something. The congressman sees a cover up. You agree? 
From what you read, it sure sounds like they're trying to figure out a way to strip out the actual email address from what they produce. Back at Reddit, Combetta learned he couldn't strip out the email address. His post, meanwhile, stayed online for more than two years. And then the clincher. The clincher. Just last week, he's going online and trying to delete these Reddit posts. He's trying to cover up his tracks. He's trying to cover up the cover-up. So I guess the question is, and someone's asked it earlier, in light of all this, are you thinking about reopening the investigation? Comey's answer to Jordan was no, but Judiciary Committee Chairman Bob Goodlatte raised a critical question. Was the FBI aware of this Reddit post prior to offering Mr. Combata immunity on May 3, 2016? I'm not sure. I know that our team looked at it. I don't know whether they knew about it before then or not. Isn't this information evidence of obstruction of justice and a violation of Mr. Combetta's immunity deal? Not necessarily, no. Why not? It depends on what his intention was, why he wanted to do it. As you just heard, Comey didn't know whether the FBI learned of the Reddit post before or after he was granted immunity. Yet he gave no hint he would look further into Combetta's actions. I think our team concluded that what he was trying to do was when they produced emails, not have the actual address, but have some name or placeholder instead of the actual .com address in the uh, from line. Chairman, I, I, for the, I mean, the guy's trying to, do, to cover up the Reddit post where he's trying to figure out how he can cover up the email addresses. And I find that compelling, particularly in light of the fact that just the day before, he's talking with Cheryl Mills and, and the State Department is on notice that the Benghazi Committee wants these very documents. I find that compelling, but obviously the FBI didn't, and this is just one more, one more in that list of things that make this case highly unusual. Hello, everyone! December 2014, Hillary Clinton is making public appearances, warming up for the coming presidential campaign. Meanwhile, her attorneys finish sorting through her email. They send roughly 30,000 emails to the State Department in paper form as requested. Another 30,000 or so personal emails are deleted from their laptops. But a copy of all the email remains on a server at Platte River Networks, where Paul Combetta is the technician responsible for the Clinton account. In December 2014, Clinton attorney Mills tells Combetta to erase the old duplicate emails. He forgets to do it. Fast forward to March 2, 2015. The New York Times breaks the story that Clinton uses a private server. March 4, Congressman Gowdy's Benghazi committee subpoenas Clinton's email. Combetta realizes he hasn't deleted those old emails, now being subpoenaed. He tells the FBI, part one, page 19, he had an O-S-H-I-T moment. On that same page, he says he used bleach pit to erase the email an admission he makes only after receiving immunity. The FBI report says the bleach bit deletions occurred in late March 2015, the same time frame that Clinton attorney Mills talked with Combetta's employer, Platte River Networks. And he did indeed use bleach bit on these records. Sure, that's why, so the, guy, that's why the guy wouldn't talk to us without immunity. And so when you got immunity, what did you learn? We learned that no one had directed him to do that, that he had done it. If you. It you really think that he just did this by himself? The question is, do I have evidence to disbelieve him? And I don't. 
His account is credible that he was told to do it in 2014, screwed up and didn't do it, panicked when he realized he hadn't, and then raced back in and did it after Congress asked for the records and the New York Times wrote about them. That was his O-S-H-I-T moment. But and that was credible. Again, I don't believe people, but we did not have evidence to disbelieve that and establish someone told him to do that. No email, no phone call, nothing. The hope was, if he'd been told to do that, that'd be a great piece of evidence. If we give him immunity, maybe he'll tell us, so-and-so told me to, so-and-so asked me to, and then we're working up the chain. But as it turned out, the Justice Department granted immunity and got nothing in return for it, a recurring theme in the Clinton case. So I think it was made clear as to why she used a private server rather than using the .gov. I mean, what a pathetic excuse for a human being. Could you believe the excuse that she gave? Did anyone really believe that? I know you're liberal. I know you don't like us conservatives, but like I said, use your, your, brain, your brain. Use it. You have one in there. It's buried somewhere. Use your brain, millennials. Use your brain, Gen Z. Use your brain. Because you know that it's true. That's the reason she used a private server. She did not want it to get back to us, the American people, by ways of, of requesting it. If they didn't have records of it, they could not supply it to us. So that was clear and obvious. And obvious that she did not comply when asked to turn them over. I mean, would you self-incriminate yourself or would you try to get rid of the evidence? Why did they ask? Why did they not do a raid like they did for, um, for, I'm getting a loss of names here. Oh boy, I can't, can't remember his name. General Flynn. Why did they not do a raid just like that? Like what they did to General Flynn. That was horrible and it was uncalled for. And all of this is uncalled for and it's a waste of American dollars and it's bogus. But anyway, if you've listened so far and you're not even a little bit convinced, it goes to show just how far to the left you really are and nothing can be said or done They'll ever convince you. You're just an ignoramus. You don't have a brain. You just will never learn. You don't care. Or all of the above. Either way, it's damning information here. So, I don't, I don't know what else can be done to convince you liberals to understand what was done. The wolf... The wolf was pulled over your eyes. Okay? It's plain and simple. If you want to close your eyes and go through life being deaf, dumb, and blind, be my guest. But the majority of us Americans are waking up and we are starting to understand your tactics and we know how you operate. We know that you cannot be trusted. We know that you lie. We know that you make things up. We know that you do you doctor documents, you doctor photos, you doctor videos, you doctor audio to make it fit the narrative that you want it to fit. But make no mistake about it, many people are awakening to the nonsense that you're doing out there. We're waking up to it. So stop it already. Do you think you're going to stop it? No. You're not going to stop it. Corrupt 
corrupt, corrupt are us. And by our us, I mean you, the media, you, the newspaper, you, the CNNs of the world, you, the NBCs of the world, you are the ones I'm talking about. I'll be right back. I remember landing under sniper fire. That is what happened. Our folks on the ground were in danger. <laughs> I don't find it funny at all. <laughs> if you search for treacherous, it isn't hard to find when crooked Hillary has the support she needs to fit. She had never received any emails or classified. But if you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. And from the Clintons, it always seems so hard to give. Dishonesty is such a perfect word for To tell us ugly lies <laughs> All we want is someone we can believe Dishonesty Is such a perfect word Hillary is so
New York on 9-11. I represented Wall when Street. We were, attacked, we were attacked, where attacked where Wall Street is. I have been very consistent over the course of my entire life. I have always fought for the same values and principles. You were against same-sex marriage. Now you're for it. You defended President Obama's immigration policies. Now you say they're too harsh. You supported his trade deal. Now suddenly you're against it. Hostile actors gained access to Secretary Clinton's personal email account. You can live with a protest about a video. That won't hurt you. But a terrorist attack will. You can't be square with the American people. Welcome back. Freedom of Information Act. That is what the hiding of the emails was all about and using a private server. There's just no no doubt in my mind about it. So let's listen to the case as they continue to lay the case out as to why Hillary used a private server. Clinton gave a simple reason for using a private server based in her home in Chappaqua, New York. I opted for convenience to use my personal email account. Former U.S. Attorney Joe DeGeneva sees a different motive, concealment, not convenience. Clinton's private server hid her emails from Congress reporters and investigators. When people filed Freedom of Information Act requests to the State Department, for a number of years, they got back things saying, we have no records. It's called a no records response. Now, think about this for a second. No records for the Secretary of State on any email account in the State Department. Alarm bells should be going off everywhere inside the State Department, and yet they didn't. And the State Department filed affidavits under oath that there were no records. Yet, at the same time, there were people in the State Department who knew that Mrs. Clinton had no government account, but that all of her emails were going through a private server unsecured in Chappaqua, New York. This is beyond belief that no one said, where the hell are Hillary's emails? Right. Yeah, and at that point, nothing happened. I think the amount of duplicity and deception and lying and perjury that has been committed in the freedom of information lawsuits involving you and other people is staggering. This server was set up to do exactly what it accomplished. It was designed so that no records would exist at the State Department, so that when Freedom of Information Act requests were filed there, the answer would be, we have no records. Clinton repeatedly denied that was her motive. And you wanted to make it a little more difficult for congressional investigators to subpoena your government emails and a little more difficult for Freedom of Information Act requests. Is that is that that's, a that's, fair theory or no? It's totally uh, ridiculous. Um, that never crossed my mind. But her actions frustrated Judicial Watch and others who filed FOIA, Freedom of Information Act requests. Judge Emmett Sullivan presided over one major FOIA case involving Clinton. He got very frustrated at one point and turned to the government attorney representing the State Department and said, I want one question answered. It should be very clear. Who authorized use of the server? My use of personal email was allowed by the State Department. Not so, says the State Department's Inspector General's report. Page 37 states there's no evidence that the secretary requested or obtained guidance or approval to conduct official business via a private server. As the Inspector General Steve Linick explained to the House Oversight and Government Affairs Committee. I can tell you our report said that she didn't have approval. None of the officials, the senior officials who were there at the time, uh, gave her approval or we were even aware that she had a server according to them. The IG's report explains on page 27 that employees generally must use department information systems. Assistant IG Jennifer Costello summarized the State Department's policy. 
which says that day-to-day -day operations must be conducted, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but must be conducted on authorized information systems. So in order to exclusively use personal email for official business, Secretary Clinton would have required approval. Clinton never asked for approval. The FBI's report on page 10 states, Clinton told the FBI that she did not explicitly request permission from state to use a private server. If Clinton had asked, she would have been turned down. Page 37 of the State Department's IG report states officials would not approve because of security risks. The reason we know this is because the officials we interviewed at the department, both in the Office of Diplomatic Security and the Office of Inf uh, Information Resource Management, told us that. Clinton's emails were on her private server, not a government system. So the State Department had no Clinton emails to give when it received FOIA requests for them, a concern for Congressman Trey Gowdy. How would those FOIA requests have been responded to and complied with if they didn't even have the records? Uh, well, as we identified in our previous report on FOIA, it would have been difficult if the records are not part of the agency record-keeping system to respond to FOIA. I want you to assume uh, an absurd hypothetical that uh, Secretary of State has exclusive use of personal email and that she is corresponding with someone who also uses personal email. You with me? I'm with you. How in the world is the State Department ever going to capture that email? It would be, and, and, and this is something we addressed in, in our FOIA report, it, it would be it would be difficult because... That'd be a challenge, wouldn't it? It, it would because only records under the agency's control are subject to FOIA. So, in other words, the department wouldn't be able to reach in necessarily to a private account. So, it Well, you wouldn't even know about it, would you? If it's personal to personal, how would you know about it? You wouldn't know about it. This system was designed to deny access to public records for four years, records that belong to the people of the United States, not Mrs. Clinton. And that was the point, the motive for setting up the private server to conceal Clinton's emails. Did President Obama set the tone for the Clinton investigation? Let's take a look at the words he used regarding Clinton's email. April 10, 2016, Fox News Sunday. Now, what I've also said is that, and she's acknowledged, that there's, there's a, a carelessness in terms of managing email. Three months later, here's how FBI Director Comey described Clinton and her associates' use of email. There is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. Obama says carelessness. Comey says extremely careless. Coincidence? Now let's consider another Obama statement regarding Clinton's use of a private server. She would never intentionally put uh, America in any kind of jeopardy. Three months later, here's what Comey said. Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information. Obama says Clinton never intentionally. Comey says Clinton never intended. Another coincidence? Or was the president trying to influence Comey? I do not talk to the attorney general about pending investigations. I do not talk to FBI directors about uh, pending investigations. 
I guarantee that there is no political influence in any investigation conducted by the Justice Department or the FBI, not just in this case, but in any case. And she will be full stop, period. And she will be treated no differently. Guaranteed, full stop. Nobody gets treated differently when it comes to the Justice Department because nobody is above the law. Nevertheless, President Obama repeatedly defended Clinton's use of a personal server. October 10, 2015, CBS's 60 Minutes. I can tell you that this is not a situation in which America's national security was endangered. April 10, 2016, Fox News Sunday. I continue to believe that she has not jeopardized America's national security. The president also minimized the importance of the classified emails. There's classified and then there's classified. There's stuff that is really top secret, top secret, and there's stuff that is being presented to the president or the secretary of state that you might not want uh, on the transom uh, or you know, going out over the wire. But stuff you can get in open source, the president went on to say. As it turned out, three months later, the FBI report would identify 22 Clinton emails that were more sensitive than top secret. That's as classified as you can get. And intentional or not, President Obama's statements telegraphed his views to the voting public, the FBI, and the Justice Department. Maybe that's why Attorney General Lynch instructed FBI Director Comey to call the Hillary Clinton probe a matter, not an investigation as he later explained to Congress. And I want to know, was she going to authorize us to confirm we had an investigation? And she said, yes, but don't call it that, call it a matter. And I said, why would I do that? And she said, just call it a matter. The Clinton probe is further tainted when local news caught Lynch meeting with Bill Clinton at the Phoenix airport. ABC 15 has confirmed former President Bill Clinton was in town and met up with U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch as she was arriving in Phoenix. She claimed they did not discuss his wife's matter. Our conversation was uh, a great deal about his grandchildren. Uh, it was primarily social and about our travels. The two talked on June 28, 2016, just days before the FBI's July 2nd interview of Clinton. Bill Clinton seeking out and meeting Lynch caused an uproar. For Lynch, it was an obvious appearance of impropriety, and she knew it. I certainly wouldn't do it again. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, because I think it has cast this shadow over what it should not. Nevertheless, Lynch didn't recuse herself from the case. Instead, on July 1st, she said she'd accept whatever final decision was recommended by the FBI and the Justice Department's career prosecutors. That same day, FBI attorney Lisa Page texted the FBI's lead investigator, Peter Stroke. Page sarcastically noted that Lynch's position was hardly a profiling courage, quote, since she knows no charges will be brought, end quote. On July 5th, Comey made the no charges recommendation public. Attorney General Lynch defended the decision. I received the recommendation of the team, and that team was composed of prosecutors and agents. It was a unanimous recommendation as to how to resolve the investigation. I saw no reason not to accept it, and again, I reiterate my pride and faith in their work. This case was investigated by a group of professionals, career FBI agents. The very best we have were put on this case. Three of that very best group have resigned, been fired, or demoted. All face criminal prosecution. FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was fired for lying to government investigators. Peter Strzok, the lead investigator in the Clinton case, is talking to prosecutors and may already have a plea deal. The same for attorney Lisa Page, 
who was demoted last year and resigned May 4, 2018. Stroke and Page sent thousands of texts to one another. They left no doubt about their political views. He wrote Trump as an idiot. She described him as loathsome and another time as a menace. But perhaps the most troubling text suggested a scheme against Trump. Stroke wrote, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office that there's no way he, meaning Trump, gets elected. But I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before you're 40. The insurance policy was the FISA warrant that was used to spy on Team Trump, hoping to unearth evidence to smear Trump before the election or force him from office if he won. In hindsight, Comey's defense of his team rings hollower than ever. This organization and the people who did this are honest, independent people. We do not carry water for one side or the other. That's hard for people to see because so much of our country, we see things through sides. We are not on anybody's side. You can call us wrong, but don't call us weasels. We are not weasels. We are honest people. And we did this in that way. Whether you disagree or agree with the result, this was done the way you would want it to be done. But I hope people will separate two things, questions about facts and judgment from questions and accusations about integrity. As I said before, you can call us wrong, you can call me a fool, you cannot call us weasels, okay? That is just not fair, and I hope we haven't gotten to a place in American public life where everything has to be torn down on an integrity basis just to disagree. You can disagree with this, there is just not a fair basis for saying that we did it in any way that wasn't honest and independent. That's when I get a little worked up, sorry. Comey's remarks were blasted the next day by former U.S. Attorney Joe DeGeneva. It is very clear that from the moment he took control of this investigation, he decided that he was not going to recommend the prosecution of the first female nominee of a major party for President of the United States. The FBI director made a political decision. He did not make a law enforcement decision. And every step that he took in conducting this investigation, quote-unquote, which it was not, shows you categorically that it was not a legitimate investigation. His pretense yesterday and at the other hearings that he was deeply offended that anyone would question the integrity of his investigation. You'd have to be a loon not to question the integrity of his investigation. It's so blatantly obvious that this was like a cheap prize fight and he took a dive. That's what this was. This was a law enforcement dive. Political bombshell. Um, honey? Yes, dear? Have you heard about this new podcast? Yes, dear. Okay, first off, it's all about Lost Soul. I do not know that maybe you know about Lost Soul or not, but I'm a pretty good expert at uh, Lost Souls. Well, I think that you should advertise your business on there. Honey, I'm already there. I'm at advertisecast.com forward slash 3318. Advertisecast.com forward slash 3318. Grow your business today. Advertise on America's exciting radio podcast. Advertisecast.com forward slash 3318. That's advertisecast.com forward slash 3318. My friend, we have traveled very far. We have no food, no water. 
Once I see my people fed, I would be honest. No. We have a serious problem with radical Islam. We have a tremendous problem. And we can't be the stupid country anymore. Where I come from, guests are treated with respect, not insulted at the gates. Given the circumstances, my lord, I believe extreme measures are warranted. The people that are with me 100% are the people. What? The Pope. The Pope was in Mexico. Do you know that? Did Desiree know, right? He said negative things about me. Dreadful. The Pope is being told that Donald Trump is not a nice person. Donald Trump is a very nice person. Mm. You do not let us in. All of us will die. I said temporarily. I didn't say permanently. I said temporarily. We have no border. We have no control. People are flooding across. We need to build a wall, and it has to be built quickly. The greatest builder is me, and I would build the greatest wall you have ever seen. And in that wall, we're going to have a beautiful, big, fat door where people can come into the country, but they have to come in legally. I don't think they like me very much. This country needs somebody that's a deal maker. I'm giving you Commander Greygott. No deals. No deals. We don't make deals. Not with anybody. We don't make deals. You mistake me, my lord. That was a command. No, 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 no. Excuse me. Just so you understand. We need people that know what they're doing. We don't need babies. Are you refusing to obey my order? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I never... You, I think you could say that, yeah. Ollie, bring me my sword. They laugh at us. Our enemies laugh at us. But they say waterboarding and they chop off heads. They think we are so stupid. You have no idea. Much liked my head. I don't want to see it removed just yet. I would bring back waterboarding. And I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. Welcome back. So we're going to conclude this email scandal mini-series with intent and mishandling of emails, having emails sent to a laptop, and this is just, it's just too much for anyone to believe that anything that's uh, happened with these emails that came out of Hillary Clinton's mouth was the truth. If you believe that, you really ought to re-examine the way you think and the way how you you uh, put together in your mind things that should definitely be clear as day that Things happen that should not have happened. It's clear. But like I said, it doesn't matter if you're a hardcore conservative, a hardcore liberal, hardcore libertarian. If you listen to all of this series and you still believe that there was no wrongdoing, then I can't help you. You're beyond redemption. Dateline, New York, September 28, 2016. Disgraced former Congressman Anthony Weiner revives the Clinton email scandal. 
He and his estranged wife, Uma Abedin, Clinton's top aide, once shared a Dell laptop. Thousands of Clinton and Abedin emails are on it, some of them classified. Abedin forwarded some of them, others were backups from other devices. On September 28th, Wiener's attorney turns over a huge cache of the email to Preet Bharara's office. He's the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Wiener, whose sexting scandals forced him from office, is now under federal investigation in a sexting case involving an underage girl. September 28th, Washington. FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe is informed of the emails. So is Peter Strzok, the lead investigator in the Clinton case. Strzok fires off a message to his frequent texting partner, attorney Lisa Page, who works for McCabe. Called up to Andy's earlier, Andrew McCabe, hundreds of thousands of emails turned over by Wiener's attorney includes a ton of material from spouse. McCabe knows the emails are significant, but takes no action and doesn't brief FBI Director Comey, doesn't tell the Justice Department either. Dateline October 3rd, New York. The FBI's New York field office seizes Anthony Weiner's laptop, finds the sexting evidence, and the Clinton Avedon emails, some or all of which Weiner's attorney had already turned in. On October 3rd in Washington, it's a sunny 77 degrees, a nice day to do nothing. And at the FBI headquarters in D.C., that's just what McCabe and Strzok were doing. Nothing. A conservative treehouse analysis of FBI text messages finds no talk of investigating the content of the emails. The focus is on the issue of the emails and do they have probable cause to look at the emails. McCabe, Strzok, and Page were the only ones in official Washington to know about the emails until October 21st, when Preet Bharara, the U.S. attorney in New York, called the Justice Department. Hey, anybody interested in these Clinton Abaddon emails? The prosecutors in New York who were working the criminal case against Wiener called down to headquarters and said, are we getting a search warrant or not for this? That caused, I'm sorry, Justice Department headquarters to then call across the street to the FBI and poke the organization, and they started to move much more quickly. I don't know why there was, if there was slow activity, why it was slow for those first couple of weeks. Why the delay? We'll cover that shortly. First, let's look at what happened. Recall September 28th, McCabe learned of the emails. But it wasn't until October 27th that he and other agents briefed Comey. And they laid out for me what they could see from the metadata on this fella Anthony Weiner's laptop that had been seized in an unrelated case. What they could see from the metadata was that there were thousands of Secretary Clinton's emails on that device. They said, we think we got to get a search warrant to go get these. And the Department of Justice agreed we had to go get a search warrant. So I agreed. I authorized them to seek a search warrant. The next day, October 28th, Comey reopens the investigation. Two days later, October 30th, the FBI gets this search warrant to start scouring the laptop. And they found thousands of new emails. They found classified information. After six days, the team reports in. And then called me the Saturday night before the election and said, thanks to the wizardry of our technology, we've only had to personally read 6,000. We think we can finish tomorrow morning, Sunday. And so I met with them. And they said, we found a lot of new stuff. We did not find anything that changes our view of her intent. So we're in the same place we were in July. It hasn't changed our view. And I asked them lots of questions. And I said, OK, if that's where you are, then I also have to tell Congress that we're done. Case closed again. But there are many unanswered questions. There were reportedly 650,000 emails on that laptop. In this letter to Congress, the FBI said it reviewed 49,000 that might be related to the mishandling of classified information. 
That leaves roughly 600,000 emails that weren't reviewed but could be in, say, any investigation of the Clinton Foundation or the Uranium One deal. FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe stalled the investigation into the Wiener laptop for a month. To learn why, let's briefly revisit our earlier series titled The Assault on the Constitution. In it, McCabe is named as part of the Scheme Team, officials at the FBI and Department of Justice whose illegal mission was summed up best by former U.S. Attorney Joe DiGenova. The facts are now so strong that there was a brazen plot to exonerate Hillary Clinton and then if she lost, framed the President of the United States with a false crime. Recall this now infamous text message between two members of the scheme team, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, about a discussion that occurred in McCabe's office. Strzok writes, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, that there's no way he gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before you're 40. The scheme team's insurance policy was the FISA warrant issued October 21, 2016 and renewed three times in 2017. It was used to spy on Team Trump, hoping to turn up evidence to smear him before the election or force him to resign if he won. McCabe signed off on one of the FISA warrant applications, certifying its accuracy. But did he tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? No. McCabe didn't tell the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court the search warrant application was based on the phony dossier about Trump, that the information was unverified, that it was not corroborated, and that the dossier was paid for by the Clinton campaign. In Washington speak, McCabe was exhibiting a lack of candor. Most people just call it lying. I would consider this the largest law enforcement scandal in history for this reason. The activities of McCabe and others were designed to subvert the Constitution and a national election, the most serious offense under our Constitution. McCabe protected Clinton by stalling the investigation of the Wiener laptop, hoping to keep it under wraps until after the election, maybe forever. What's McCabe's link to Clinton? Let's flash back to 2015. Democrat Terry McAuliffe is governor of Virginia. He urges McCabe's wife, Dr. Jill McCabe, a physician, to run for state office. He funnels $467,000 from his political action committee to her campaign, then arranges for the state party to chip in $207,000. Altogether, he delivers more than a third of her campaign funds. McAuliffe has also raised money for the Clintons, the first family of the Democratic Party. In addition, he served as co-chairman of President Clinton's 1996 re-election campaign and chairman of Hillary's 2008 campaign. And they campaigned for him when he ran for governor in 2009 and 2013. Obviously, he's in their inner circle. A successful politician, why he thought Mrs. McCabe would be too, is anyone's guess. Dr. Jill McCabe lost to the Republican incumbent. As for the link to Andrew McCabe, she lost before his promotion to number two at the FBI. She lost before he supervised the Clinton case. Still, it seems obvious that Andrew McCabe should have recused himself as soon as he came into contact with the Clinton case. He didn't. Then on October 24th, the Wall Street Journal broke its exclusive story. Clinton ally aided campaign of FBI officials' wife. 
Donald Trump, campaigning in Florida, summed up the tainted FBI investigation in a few words. No wonder they found nothing wrong. We have to investigate the investigation, folks. Our system is rigged. It sure looked that way, didn't it? And that's Andrew McCabe's fault and his alone. The Wall Street Journal story prompted a lot of chatter at FBI headquarters in Washington, where Strzok and Page are texting each other. Here's an analysis of their text by the Conservative Treehouse website. FBI investigative team wanted McCabe to stay on the case, particularly Lisa Page, who was special counsel to McCabe. But other texts revealed disagreement involving Jim Rybicki, the chief of staff for FBI Director Comey. Here's Page's text. Rybicki just called to check in. He very clearly 100% believes Andy should be recused because of the perception. And in this November 1st email, McCabe took himself off the case. He said, as of today, I am voluntarily recusing myself. But with the campaign in its final days, nothing could legitimize the sham Clinton investigation. In March 2018, McCabe was fired after lying under oath to federal investigators about leaks to the media. The case was referred to the U.S. attorney for prosecution. Why did Anthony Weiner's lawyer turn over the Clinton Abedin emails to Preet Bharara, the U.S. attorney in New York? At the time, Weiner was facing sexting charges involving an underage girl. Maybe his lawyer thought the email stash was a get-out-of-jail-free card. The conservative treehouse wrote, There's a solid case to be made that the emails Anthony Weiner's lawyer brought to Preet Bharara was Weiner's leverage to escape prosecution. The strategy failed. He pled guilty. Weiner was sentenced to 21 months in prison. But no charges were filed against him or Abedin, though the FBI found classified information on their laptop. Why no charges? FBI Director Comey faced that question at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. Why did you conclude neither of them committed a crime? Because with respect to uh, Ms. Abedin in particular, we, we didn't have any indication that she had a sense that what she was doing was in violation of the law. Couldn't prove any sort of criminal intent. Really, the central problem we had with the whole email investigation was proving that people knew, the secretary and others knew that they were doing so, that they were communicating about classified information in a way that they shouldn't be and proving that they had some sense that they were doing something unlawful. That was our burden and we weren't able to meet it. To this day, Comey insists he needs to prove criminal intent to bring charges. But intent is not required according to legal analysts, including those at Judicial Watch. It's leading the fight to get the emails released. One batch made public was significant. It places classified information on the Wiener laptop. Uh, it, it, beyond any doubt, uh, according to the State Department themselves, uh, proves that classified information was forwarded in an unlawful way. It's a direct violation of Title 18 of the U.S. Code, Section 793F, which is mishandling national defense information. Your earlier clip with Mr. Comey talking about intent mm -hmm. is a fraud. There's no requirement for improving intent under that particular citation I gave you a moment ago. Uh, intent is irrelevant. The fact that the loss or the mishandling of the national defense information occurred, that's the crime. Fox's Ed Henry cited another Comey statement about intent. Aberdeen didn't have a sense 
she was violating the law. It's I've irrelevant. never heard of such a thing. It's irrelevant. And no one, let me tell you, no one in the armed forces, the intelligence community, or law enforcement, no one listening to this program tonight who has ever had a security clearance would ever buy that kind of phony excuse. And so this really cries out for a legitimate investigation being done. And there's more than enough evidence on that laptop to do just that. You know, it is, uh, it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Oh, baby, come on, so come on, people, baby.